Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. bring a message called what to do when your story stalls out um, one of our uh, young men came and helped us this morning Marlon and uh, we're so grateful to have him come and help us this morning and on the way here uh, Marlon drives a smart car and his smart car ran out of gas and he had to push it for like a mile and I said aren't you glad it was a smart car right because they're much smaller than other cars <laughs> And uh, thankfully, somebody stopped and helped him. And I said, man, the Holy Spirit's moving because that's exactly what I'm talking about today. What to do when it seems that your story has stalled out. Um, in our story, um, as Jason said last week, it's really all about God's story. That's the name of this series that we're in, God's story. And God is telling his story from eternity past to eternity future. He's telling that story and he's including us in the telling of the story. And that's what I want us to understand as a church in this series is that there's something that God has been doing and is doing and is going to do in your life, in your story, that's all about his story, which is, by the way, as Jason taught us last week, all about God's glory. It's a story about God's glory, and you and I are included. And for many of you, Jesus came into your story at some point along the way, right? Maybe you were young. Maybe you were a rebellious teenager like me. Maybe you were in college. Maybe later in life, Jesus came into your story, and it's like he opened your eyes to his story, the big story of creation, fall, redemption and restoration some of you maybe that point hasn't come yet and i just want to say i'm so glad that you're here with us this morning and today i just want us to briefly look at hebrews chapter 12 if you want to turn with me this is a, a portion of scripture that have i've been living in over the last couple of weeks that has just been ministering to me and i think it helps us when our story feels stalled when I say stalled, here's what I mean. It's like your faith is just parked on the side of the road. Like, like and there's, there's a couple reasons why we might be parked on the side of the road. The first reason is that we ran out of gas like Marlin, okay? Or if you're, if you're an EV person, your batteries uh, ran out of juice, okay? And you're parked on the side of the road. And there is an exhaustion that can come over us in life when we are just kind of out of gas, we're out of energy, and it's rooted in the false belief that what I do is all that matters. And, and what it is, it's like a functional deism of like, God's there, I believe in God, he's there, he's just not here. And so it's all on me. And that's, that's a crushing way to live because it just wears us out. It's just exhausting. It's like the, the mythological Atlas who has the world on his shoulders, right? You feel like you're carrying 
everything. What I do is all that matters. The, the second thing that can have our faith parked or stalled out on the side of the road is the breakdown of despair, right? It's just, you're just down. You're just crushed. Maybe things in life have been very, very difficult. And you feel this despair. And in that, in that place, there can be this false belief that it doesn't matter what I do because what I do doesn't really matter at all. Do you see the opposite of what I do is all that matters, it's all on me, and, the, and, and, and to the person who thinks it's all on them, they're, they're feeling the pressure all the time, for the people that live in like, man, what I do doesn't matter, it doesn't matter, they're like, that sounds so wonderful right now, right? But it's actually a ditch where we get stuck, and it parks, it stalls out our story. In that first, in that first ditch, we, we feel the pressure to be all-powerful, and then we know... <laughs> We're not, right? We're not in control. We're not limitless. We're not all powerful. That's, that's God's job, right? And so we feel the exhaustion of that. But in the second ditch, uh, we're prone to just indulge ourselves in sin, pleasure, escape, right? Because what does it matter? It doesn't matter at all what I do. And this always leads us to deeper despair, and depression. And I'm just curious, before we read this passage, like which one are you prone to? If you could just be honest with yourself this morning, like where do you tend to go? Do you tend to be the one who's overly responsible for everything because it's all on you and, and what you do is all that matters? Or are you the person who's like, I kind of go to the other side of like, man, what I do doesn't really matter at all. Just, just curious, where do you typically stall out? Where are you at in the story? And maybe some of you today are stalled right now. And I just want you to know there's really, really good news for you in this passage because Jesus is still rescuing us out of ditches and getting our stalled stories back on track. Okay? There's good news for you. So Hebrews chapter 12, I just want to read this passage for us today. Here's what it says. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the word of the Lord. Now, the, the book of Hebrews is written to Christians that were Jewish. They were Hebrew, and they had been dispersed uh, all across the, the known Roman world at that time uh, because of persecution. That was their story. That was their story in their moment in life is like, man, we are literally like we have friends that have died. We, we have loved ones that we've lost. We've had people. I, I feel like it's, it's like what we're watching in Ukraine is people are just fleeing right now. It's like that was the story of the early Christians. And the writer is concerned that they're going to stall out. And so he gives them some things in here that I think help us 
as we think about our stories and how we are prone to stall out, I just want to point out a couple of things. And the first is this, and it's that you're not meant to stall out, you're meant to run. That's the metaphor that the writer uses. He says in verse 1, let us run with endurance. And he's using the metaphor of a race. And it tells us that you and I, we're runners. Like, that's actually what God has meant for you, to be a runner. That you have a story. You have a race to run. You're not a spectator. You're not a bench warmer. Right? You are a runner. And you probably, if you've run lately, you know running isn't always easy. I tried to run a mile this week. Not good. Okay, Some of you run like 20 miles a day. God bless you. I'm, I'm happy with one. Okay, I'm happy with one, and I barely make it through. Okay, Like, I'm dying. That's me. So if you're not a runner, I, 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 we're using a metaphor, Okay, so just hang with me. Running exerts energy. It takes effort on our part. And that flies in the face of this false belief that it doesn't matter what I do because what I do doesn't matter at all. And he's saying, no, no, actually, there's a race and it's your race. No one else can run that race for you. God has a race for you to run. What you do with your story matters, okay? It matters. Deep down, we know this, and that's why it bothers us when we're stalled out because there's something in us that knows there's more for me than this there's more for me this word endurance is key and it indicates that like these early christians we might be tempted to just park it on the side of the road because it's too hard right and when we run out of gas when our when our tesla batteries are drained um we're carrying burdens that we weren't meant to carry. You're carrying something that God didn't actually design you to be able to lift and to carry. You're exhausted and we need endurance. And that word endurance means steadfast and unswerving, which is me on the track, okay? It's not fast, it doesn't look good, it probably, I put headphones in, and so my breathing's probably like, <sighs> right? Because that's me, right? It doesn't look good, but guess what? I'm staying on the path, man. Like, I'm not leaving until I finish this one stinking mile that I'm going to run today. It's endurance. And to endure means you don't leave the race. Instead, find your pace. Don't leave the race. Instead, find your pace. Because we're not meant to stall out. We're meant to run. The second thing that I think he tells us is that your story matters in God's big story. And, and he says, let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. 
And that phrase that lies before us literally means appointed or destined by God. Your translation might say marked out for us. That there was a race that was already marked out, right? In, in those times, they would have had these, these um, foot races and they would have been marked out, right? There's a track that you stay on and it had been marked out for them. And he's saying, look, it, you need to understand that God has something specific appointed and destined for you in your story. It lies before us. And did you know that your particular story with all the ups and the downs and the joys and the sorrows and the challenges and the victories, the busy seasons and the slow seasons, all of it has been marked out for you by your heavenly father. And that might be hard for you to hear right now because of where you're at in the story. But he's marked out something for you. Your story matters to him. In fact, that, that uh, word pioneer and perfecter, right? He's the pioneer and perfecter. That word pioneer is also translated as author. Author of your story. Of the story in which your story is a part of. He's the author of our faith. He's, he's appointed and destined a, a race. And it really matters in the big story, which also means, and this is for the people that fall in that first stitch, it's not all on you. Amen? <laughs> it, it corrects that false belief of what I do is all that matters. Because no, 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 Jesus has already marked out a race for you. Your story matters to him. Not only that, but he gives us this little insight and says, there's a large cloud of witnesses that are surrounding us. What in the world does that mean? This large cloud of witnesses. It, it, it means in the chapter before, if you were to read chapter 11, there's a whole list of heroes that Hebrew Christians would have known about, that you learned about from infancy on up. And it's the whole list of, of David, right? And Abraham and, and the, all of them are included in that list. And he, these are the heroes that they would have talked about and looked to in their history. And he says, look, all those people ran their race, and they finished it. And guess what? Now they're leaning in, and they're looking at you run your race. What? Did you know that your story not only matters to God, and, and I, I think it should matter to you, but it matters to heaven. Like heaven is leaning in to see us live out the story, the God's story that he's given to us. Like fans cheering on their team at the big game, heaven is cheering for you. They're rooting for you. Like we're just singing, right? He's for you. Like heaven is like, come on, don't stall out. Get back on the track. Like, please come out of the ditch. We're cheering you on. Now, would heaven lean in and look at your race if your race didn't matter? No. They could have all the fun in the world 
in heavenly glory, banquets and celebrations, but they're looking at us to see the race. So if you're stalled out, okay, if, if you feel like it doesn't matter what I do or what I do is all that matters, I just want you to know that you're not meant to stall out. You're, you're meant to run and that your story matters in God's big grand, amazing story. And he gives us these two things. It's really the application for us this morning. We, we find some ways to get unstuck in, in the passage. And, and here's what he says to do when our stories stall out. He says, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. So there's two things, and he says that we're to lay aside. And those two things, um, that, that word lay aside is like to cast it off, right? Or, or to put it down, to, to drop it. And the first thing is the hindrance, every hindrance. And, and I want you to know that that word hindrance is like a burden. It's something that's massive. It's, it's crushing. It's exhausting. And if you could just picture like a boulder on my back, and if I was trying to carry this massive rock on my shoulders, right, and I'm just like, there's, there's no running a race when I'm carrying that. Like, I'm barely trying to get a step in. And, and here's what he's talking about is he's talking about that false belief that what I do is all that matters. It's, it's the burden of life. It's the self-driven, self-reliant attempt at life. How many hindrances should we lay aside? Every single one of them. I'm just curious, what is it that weighs you down? We all have things, I have things that weigh me down, things that I am not designed to carry, things that I put upon my own shoulders and they burn me out and they stall me out and they keep me from running the race. What is it that weighs you down? It could be a wound, it could be a, a deep hurt, it could be insecurities. It, it, it could be just responsibilities that you're taking upon yourself that actually God's not giving to you. It, it, it could be trying to hold the world together, your world together, and it wears you out. He says, lay aside every hindrance. The second thing is the sin that so easily ensnares us. That, that word ensnare might be translated beset. If you're, if you're King James Christian, you, you know the word beset or besetting sin. And it's the idea of an opponent that skillfully like thwarts you. So if you're trying to run, the opponent is like trying to get you off the path. Like that's what he's talking about. Sin is like this opponent that's besetting you. It's keeping you from running the race. And it's the picture, like the word ensnare of something that literally like wraps around you. And so if you could picture me, like my legs tied together and I'm trying to run the race, like, like it's not gonna happen because I'm ensnared. 
And what he's telling us is that that's what sin does to us. It's like when we begin to turn away from God's ways and God's commands and what he's calling us to do, right? When, when we're willfully you know, disobeying God, it, it actually wraps around us and we're unable to run the race that God has given to us. It ensnares us. It besets us. I'm just curious, what is it that entangles you? What is the thing, that, that thing, maybe it's a couple of things that just have a way of just wrapping you up? He says, cast it off. Break out. Disentangle your life and lay it aside. Lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares so that you can do what you were meant to do, which is run. So uh, this week, as I was thinking about the metaphor of running, I couldn't help but think of an iconic figure from an iconic film called Forrest Gump. Who's seen Forrest Gump? Has anyone seen Forrest Gump? Yeah. And what a picture of running. If you remember uh, Forrest, he had a crooked back, and so he had to wear braces on his legs as a kid, right? And there's one day after school where the bullies are chasing him, and, uh, you know, he's got to get away from the bullies, and Ginny is there, Ginny is there, and what does Ginny start to yell at Forrest? What does she say? Run, Forrest, run. That's what she says, right? Run, for And, you know, Forrest, he starts to move, right? And those braces, you see the bolts are starting to come loose. And all of a sudden, they fly off. And he literally breaks out of the, the things that were entangling him. From then on, wherever I would go, I was running. Remember that? He eventually runs across the whole nation. He gets the towel and he wipes the sweat and it's the smiley face like emoji, right? People are following him. The newscasters are lining up like, we think he's running for world peace, right? And they, they put the mic up and they're like, why are you running? And what does he say? I just felt like running, right? I love that. It's so awesome. That's the, that, that's, the, that's the meme I send people when I actually go run my mile. I just feel like running. But it's a beautiful picture of a breakthrough moment when Forrest realized he could run. And there might be people here and you're like, I feel like I've been stalled out forever. And I want you to know that you were actually made to run in the things that have been entangling you. God wants to break those off of you so that you can run the race. You can live the story that he has marked out for you. You can break out of those things that entangle and ensnare you. I, I want to close with this. If laying aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily entangles is what we should do, the question is, how do we do it? Because you know there are plenty of things that we should do, right? Every time you open your pantry, you're like, there's some things I should do, 
But right now, what I want to do, right, and there's this battle inside of us of like, how? Because inside, like, I, I, I want to and I don't want to at the same moment. Like, how in the world do I actually do it? And this is where verse two makes all the difference. He says, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And here's the beautiful thing that just dawned on me as I was living in this verse for the last couple of weeks, is he says to people who are running their race, who have every opportunity to stall out because of the persecution that's going on in their lives, right? He's saying, look, not only do you need to run, but you need to look to the one who's actually already run the race for you. He says, look to Jesus, who for the joy set before him, so, so Jesus had his eyes fixed on the joy in front of him, and it was the joy that he was going to be exalted to the right hand of the Father, his victory over sin and death. It, it was the, the joy of rescuing people like you and me. And there's power with Jesus who fixed his eyes on the joy. And I think it reminds us that Jesus could have quickly just looked at all the things that he was going to have to endure and just fixated on them. Like, oh, that's going to be hard. The cross? Oh, that's going to be, that's going to be hard. Like becoming sin so that all these people can be like free and forgiven. Like that's going to be He could have fixated on those things. But instead it says he's, he has his eyes fixed on the joy in front of him. And so I just want to tell you, whatever is in the midst of your story, I just want you to just, you, you know it's there, right? But, but you've got to lift your eyes up above those things and actually get them up on Jesus. Look to him and consider the race that he ran. A race that required Endurance. He literally endures the cross, steadfast and unswerving in a race that had already been marked out for him. It was God's will to crush him. Consider what he laid aside and cast off when he despised the shame of the cross. I, I, I can't even fathom what shame he felt to be totally exposed as he's up on a cross, to be rejected by best friends, to have the rejection of the people of Israel and the religious establishment. And then the, the, the real kicker was when the father turns away from him in that moment. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right? It's like, I can't fathom what Jesus endured on the cross. And yet it says he despised the shame. He literally cast it off. It's, it's like he says to shame, listen to me, shame. Do you see that joy in front of me? Compared to that, you are less than nothing. You're not worth comparing to it. I despise you. You think you have power? Compared to that joy, you are powerless. Joy, joy, joy. That is my power. Not you, shame. You are worthless. You are powerless.
powerless. He despises the shame. He doesn't stall out. And he finishes the race. And he takes his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. And here's the empowerment that we need. He did it perfectly for you because you can't. You can't run that race perfectly. And Jesus did it for you. How in the world could we ever lay aside all the burdens and cast off the sins that so easily entangle us? How in the world could we do it? There's no way that we could do that without looking to the one who's already done it. It is in him, in Jesus, that we can actually get our our story out of the ditch and no longer stalled out. And so today, by that grace, you can lay down every burden, you can drop every boulder, you can cast off every sin that has wrapped itself around you. You are meant to run, your story matters in God's big story. Drop every burden and cast off the entangling sins by the grace of Jesus. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.